Mark chapter 1. We'll begin our reading this morning at verse 35. Hear now the word of the living God. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers of the field, they all perish. But the word of our God endures forever. And this is God's holy word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to hear you speak to us, your children. We're so grateful that in Christ Jesus you have brought us into the royal palace. And so now do bless us with your spirit. Anoint us afresh, both the preacher and those who listen, that we might be overwhelmed by the tender mercies, the compassion of you, our God, to us in your beloved Son, Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Mark Twain wrote a book about two boys, Tom, a poor boy, and Edward, the Prince of Wales. Tom had to beg for money and food, which he brought home every night so that his family might eat. But his father and mother often used the money for drink. And if he didn't bring enough home, his father would beat him and he would be sent to bed without food. A sad life. He used to dream of being a prince and living in a palace. And one day he got his wish. He was wandering around in the streets of London when he came across one of the king's palaces. And there he peered through the fence and he saw a prince. And he came closer and he pressed his face towards the gate and... He was beaten by the guards. 
Well, the prince saw the cruel treatment that Tom was receiving at the hand of the guards. And so Tom, or rather the prince, convinced the soldiers to let Tom in so that he might play with him. And during that day, Edward the prince, he had a meal for Tom and treated him real well. And over the dinner table, the boys found out that they were born on the same day. And they related to each other how life was for each of them on a normal day. And Edward, he was interested in the life of Tom. And Tom was interested in the life of the prince. Edward then suggested that they trade clothes. And this is what they did. Edward dressed in Tom's rags, and Tom dressed in the royal apparel of the prince. They traded clothes. Little did they know that they would also be trading places. When the prince was dressed in Tom's rags, he looked so much like Tom that he was driven from the royal palace and made to roam on the streets. Tom, on the other hand, he was mistaken as the prince. And he was treated as the prince at the royal palace. They just didn't trade clothes. They traded places. And my friends, that's the good news of the gospel according to Mark. That's what it's all about. Jesus, the king, the prince, trading places with sinners. He takes our rags and he clothes us with his royal garments. He then gets treated like us and we get treated like him. And that's what Mark explains to us in this passage. As we'll consider the theme of this passage, Jesus trades places with the leper. We'll observe the characters, the leper, and our Lord Jesus, and how they traded places. First, the leper. One of the most humiliating experiences a man could have at that time was to be a leper. It's pretty clear from those who have studied dermatology from the manual found in Leviticus 13 and 14 that what was called leprosy contained all sorts of skin diseases. It ranged from temporary rashes all the way to wasting body parts. Now we're not sure what this man had. It seemed like it was obvious, but it doesn't really matter that much because the burden of leprosy was much more than just physical. There are certainly medical complications that accompany leprosy, but there are greater difficulties associated with it. There was shame, person, personal humiliation. There was a disgrace. The disease robbed people of their health, and it sentenced them and their families to great disgrace. It robbed them of their name, their occupation, their, their family, their habits, and above all, their worshiping community. 
they were cast out. In short, the social dimensions of having leprosy was far greater than that of personal liability. The person with leprosy was deemed unclean. And according to the law of Moses, that person had to be put out. Listen to how Leviticus speaks of an unclean man. Leviticus 13, verse 45, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Such was the life of a leper. They were subject to superstition and fear. They were not only unwell, they were unclean. Unclean. And so you can understand the urgency of this man as he comes to our Lord Jesus, begging him on his knees for Jesus to cleanse him. If you are willing, he says, make me clean. And you notice, it's not that he was asking to be healed, per se. No, he was asking to be made clean. Now what we have here is a picture of all of us by nature. Sin has social implications. It doesn't bar us from other humans. We're all in the same boat, as the scriptures say. We are all children of Adam. But it does separate us from the love and fellowship of God, our Heavenly Father. In fact, if the truth were told, it's much more serious to be a sinner than a leper. One can still be a leper and go unhealed and die and go to heaven. But one cannot be a sinner uncleansed and enter heaven as such. And the law of Moses had strict regulations concerning leprosy. It clearly delineated how the priest could determine if a person had leprosy, what kind it was, how long he should refrain from being with others. And it clearly showed the steps that a man, a woman, could be declared clean and then brought back into the fellowship of God's people. But there's one thing that the law of Moses could not do. It cannot cleanse a leper. It shows us who a leper is. And so with the law of God, it shows us who we are. It shows us that we're all sinners. And it highlights for us what needs to be done. It declares that we are sinners, but it is without power to cleanse. It cannot declare forgiveness, cleanse us of our sins. 
It is powerless to do that. And this is what the leper understood. He understood very well that he was a leper. He, he lived with it every day of his life. But there was nothing within that law that could cleanse him. And so it made sense for this leper to come to the Lord Jesus and to be cleansed. Nothing else could do that. Jesus was his only hope. Children, do you think that this leper made the right choice? Yes, of course he did. Jesus was the only one qualified to help this leper, this poor fellow. Jesus was able to help him. That is, he had the ability to help this man. And the man with leprosy didn't doubt that at all. You notice his request. He had heard about Jesus, the man who had come, the man who could help. The news of our Lord Jesus spread quickly throughout the land of Palestine. And he heard about how he healed the sick. He gave orders to the evil spirits and they obeyed him. He healed so many with various diseases. Surely, his problem was not too great for the Lord to heal. He was able to help. And there's no question that Jesus is qualified to help. Help us in the leprosy of our sin the Apostle Paul tells us so beautifully and powerfully in Romans chapter 8. He says, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by the sending of his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. That's why Christ has come. And the scriptures are abundantly clear to all that Jesus has come to save sinners. That's his delight. He is able to completely save those who come to the Father through him. And you remember on the cross how he cried, it is finished, indicating to all that by his death, he has completely satisfied the justice of God so that sinners can be forgiven and saved. And as we read from the Apostle Peter, he died, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring them to God. There is no doubt that our Lord Jesus Christ can save Sinners, that he has the ability to help. But the question that the leper had is this. Are you willing, are you willing to cleanse me? Now perhaps that's where some of you are wavering in your coming to Christ this morning. You're certain of your need for a Savior you're convinced that he can do exactly for you what you need done. You don't doubt 
that you must have him or you will die, but you're wondering whether he'll accept you, accept you the way you are. Would he reach out to someone like you and touch you? Would he die for a person like you? You can maybe see him helping someone else, but would he help me? Now, if I said to you, yes, he would, he would, he'd love to, you might respond and say to me, but you don't know who I am, you don't know how bad I am, you don't know how deep my sin is, you aren't aware of all my inconsistencies, the number of times I've fallen, my weaknesses, I promise to do better, and yet I just don't carry through. He wouldn't be willing to help me. Well, let's look at what happened when the leper came to Jesus. Remembering that a leper was to stay away from people. We read that in the Law of Moses. Remember also that he had to live alone. And remember also that he had to cry out, unclean, unclean. But now look at this leper. Mark tells us that the leper approaches Jesus, verse 40, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. What will Jesus do? Well, Jesus is in Galilee. He had just told his disciples, that, as we read, that he had come to preach the gospel of grace, to preach the good news. And he had just left the crowds in Capernaum, those who were seeking a miracle worker. And now as Jesus is approached by this leper, the unclean, the most ignoble of all society, what will Jesus do? Mark tells us, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus reaches out his hand and in loving compassion touches this leper. Rather than turning away from that leper as as most of us would do, running away from a leper even. Jesus turns towards the leper. He moves because he's moved by pity, compassion for this man. His entire being is affected by what he sees, what he hears. Now, there's no doubt that most of us would run the other way, as most of Israel would run the other way. In fact, that's why the leper cried out, unclean, unclean, most often. But our compassionate Lord Jesus doesn't run away. He doesn't run away. No, Mark tells us that his condition actually prompted our Lord Jesus deep within his soul to come towards this leper, to be drawn towards this very sick man. He was drawn to the wretched condition 
of this man out of loving compassion. And he touches the leper. It's what we sung in Newton's hymn just moments earlier. Out of compassion for sinners, Jesus came. And he touches this leper. Now what's that all about? He brought himself by touching, he brought himself into full contact with this ritually and ceremonially and physically unclean person. Can you imagine what the Pharisees would have said and the Sadducees? We can only imagine. But when was the last time someone touched him? When was the last time someone put an embracing arm around this man, loving him and encouraging him? No doubt as he was wandering off on his own outside of the city, he would often remind himself as a boy how he would sit on his mother's lap. And how when he was ill with a fever, perhaps his mother would, would wipe his brow with a cold cloth. He remembered his father putting his arm around his shoulders, commending him on a job well done. But that was a long time ago. When was the last time he received a kiss and an embrace from his wife? had his child on his lap. When was the last time someone touched him and had compassion upon him? Not since he was a leper. But now Mark tells us, moved with compassion, moved with pity for him, Jesus touches him. The arms of our Lord removes all social and physical barriers. Jesus comes for this sinner. And he's not only able, but he's desirous. Oh, he loves to come and embrace this sinner, this wretched one, this leprous man. For that is the reason he has come, you see. Jesus said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was cured. What a glorious display of the suitability of Christ Jesus. He is able to heal. The leprosy left him. Immediately, Mark says, and as you looked at that leper, one moment he was filled with leprosy. However that looked, but everyone understood he had leprosy. And the next instant, he was purely clean. Beautiful. Glorious. Christ has the power to cleanse. And Mark stresses this. He was willing to heal. Jesus says, I will be clean. You see, this is precisely the Savior we need, don't we? We have known people 
who can help us, but they're heartless. They're unwilling. They have the resources, but they have no love, no desire to help. They're unkind. And we've known people, on the other hand, who are very sympathetic, who want to help, but they're unable to help because they don't have the resources. But it's a rare thing. It's a rare thing to find someone who is both able to help and willing to help. And that's our Lord Jesus. And he's precisely the one we need. Exactly our Lord Jesus. What the law of Moses could not do, our Lord Jesus Christ does. But he's no ordinary man, you see. He is not Moses, even though Moses was a great prophet of God. He was the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question you might ask is, how then was our Lord Jesus qualified to be the one who is both able and so desire, so willing to help? And Mark gives us that answer here. And it was by trading places with the leper. Trading places with the leper. And we see this in a couple ways. First, according to Jewish law, the one who came into contact with a leper became unclean as well. And notice what Jesus does. He reaches out his hand and he touches him. He didn't have to touch him. There are many other narratives where our Lord Jesus Christ just said a word, and that sufficed. But here Jesus touches the leper. You know what he was doing? He was saying to the leper, I am willing to become like you under the judgment of the law under the curse, so that you might become like me, free from the curse, free from the rejection of society, and that you might enjoy fellowship with others. And you see, by cleansing this man and touching him, Jesus is showing the blessing of the kingdom come to inaugurate the kingdom of his God and his Father. Because the kingdom comes, as we see throughout the Gospels, he comes and he brings blessing and he reverses the curse. And this is obvious for everyone to see a great pictorial drama before their eyes. He comes to reverse the curse. But he also shows the way in which the kingdom comes. How does it come? We see the effects, but, but, but how does it come? And Mark tells us it comes by him identifying with us in our sin so that we might be free, we might walk free, and he trades places with us for that to happen. 
This is the great exchange that the Apostle Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus trades places with the leper. He trades places with us. And this is the great hope of the gospel. This is the gospel that is preached throughout the world. This is the reason Christ left heights of glory, so that he might come and save sinners. What a glorious Christ. But this comes out another way in Mark's gospel. At the end of verse 43, Jesus sends the man away with a strong warning. He says, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away and said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. I want you to notice just a couple things. First, Jesus did not set aside the law of God. No, the law stipulated that only a priest could declare a man clean, cleansed. And so Jesus sends this man to the priest for that adjudication. But it's also a testimony to them. Jesus already knew that he would face opposition from these religious authorities. He sent the man to these religious authorities to show them what he had done so that they might know who he was. So that when they spoke against him, they spoke against the strongest possible evidence. This man can forgive sins and does. But secondly, Jesus commands the man not to tell anyone about what had happened. But notice what Mark tells us here in verse 45. But he went, the leper went out, and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news of what Jesus had done. Now children, what do you call that? Your mom and your dad, you tell, they tell you to do one thing very explicitly. They even set you aside rather sternly to warn you and you do exactly the opposite. It's disobedience, isn't it? It's disobedience. That's what this man did. It was explicit disobedience. He went and told everyone, everyone, now, we might understand that. We might, we might even sympathize somewhat with this man. Well, of course you would tell everyone. But that's not a sufficient reason to disobey the explicit command of our Lord Jesus Christ. This man is a good illustration 
of many people who come to the Lord Jesus Christ for cleansing, but who do not follow him in obedience. That implicates all of us, doesn't it? Jesus, in verse 35, said he wanted to go and to preach the gospel in all these cities, in all these communities, but now he couldn't, he said, because of this man's disobedience. Verse 45, Mark tells us, so that, purpose clause, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. But I want to focus on the trading places that we see here. Jesus commanded the man sternly not to tell anyone because he was aware of the results and what they would be. He knew, he knew that this miraculous sign would tend to detract people away from the preaching ministry of our Lord Jesus. They would think of our Lord Jesus as a miracle worker. But Jesus didn't want people to think of himself as a miracle worker. He wanted people to understand the kingdom of God. And that's why in Mark's gospel we have something that's called the Markian secret. Where Jesus tells people, don't tell anyone else what has happened until after my death and resurrection. I have come to cleanse people from their sins and to bring them into fellowship with my father. So what was the result? Jesus stayed outside in lonely places. He was barred from the towns and, and the cities. That is, Mark is saying, he became like the leper. And the leper became like him, freely interacting with all. Jesus traded places. And all the loss that the leper experienced because of his leprosy, the alienation from society, and all the rest, now Jesus experienced. And all the blessings and the benefits of Christ Jesus, his perfection, his sinless nature, his pity and love the leper receives. Jesus trades places with the leper and with us. And you see, this is the good news. This is the gospel according to Mark. Mark Twain in The Prince and the Pauper, where the prince becomes the pauper and the pauper becomes a prince and each receive the corresponding treatment. The poor boy is treated royally, and the prince is treated ignobly. But this is also the gospel according to Mark, the evangelist. Jesus, he is telling us in the first chapter, Jesus, the king of kings, who comes to bring in the kingdom, trades places with sinners so that we might receive blessings of the kingdom fellowship with our god fellowship with the people of god something we enjoy and particularly that's emphasized in the table communion with our lord and our savior 
and with God's people. And so our Lord Jesus traded places to make this happen. He traded places. He comes, as the Gospels tell us, not to be served, as we might expect of royalty, but he comes to serve. And to serve to such an extent that he'll give his life for sinners. And he gives his obedience for us. This is the ultimate trade. And so, dear loved ones, have you seen the Prince of Glory this morning? The one who's come from heaven? Have you seen him this morning? The only one who is able and willing. Oh, he's so willing to cleanse. One who is suitable for all your needs. Have you placed your trust in him? Or we could say, by faith, have you traded places with Jesus? Amen. Father, we bless you for our Savior. We love him, O oh God. He is so precious to us. Not only is he able, but throughout all the scriptures, he's the one who declares himself to be so willing, so willing to serve sinners that he went to the cross of Calvary. Well, Father, we thank you that this was your will and he was pleased to do your will because he was pleased to serve his brethren for the sake of you, his Father. He delighted in you and he so desired that you would have your palace full of royal children. And so we praise you for him. Oh God, how we love him more and more. And we pray that by your spirit we would desire all the more to please him. That you would give us grace and, and a greater measure of the spirit so that we might obey him in all that we do. That Lord, the law of God might not only be a list of do's and don'ts, but that the law of the Lord might be our love out of gratefulness and thanksgiving for the salvation that he has wrought. Oh God, may we say with our Lord Jesus and the psalmist, oh, how I love your law. It is my delight day and night, and I meditate upon it. And Father, now as we come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, we remember how Luke tells us that it was with desire that he desired to commune with his people. And so move our hearts, O oh God, so that we too might reciprocate, that we might drop all the things which would be hindrances to our love and our obedience to our blessed Savior, and that we might come with hearts filled with deep desire out of love and affection for the one who has loved us and given himself for us. We pray it 